0: Today in remote space, how does the globe-trotting productivity trader and her clients change when they're all working from home?
1: Hello. Uh, yeah, right. I'm sending that over in an hour. The meeting today? Another one? Hold on one sec.
0: Enough.
1: <laughs> working from home not as much fun as you imagined. Remote Space explores the tools and philosophies we use as we work more remotely. We'll talk to experts who have mastered remote work, those studying the shift in how we work, and those learning on the run. Here's your host, Doug Thomas.
0: Vicki sokol has been training companies for decades, including Starbucks, MasterCard, The New York Times, and even Bill Gates' administration team. Her company, RedCape, trains in Microsoft, Apple, and Google technology on a global scale. But instead of company visits, workshops, and conferences, Vicki has been working out of her home in Austin, Texas, for the past five months. I was happy to catch up with my friend and comrade-at-arms from the training world. Vicki, we're in a business that has been promoting this Work Anywhere, Anytime solution for years, And now that it's here, what big gap had we missed?
1: Well, I'm not sure we missed the gap. I mean, we've been encouraging people to move to the cloud since, goodness, since I started my business in 2009, I moved to the cloud. But my biggest struggle as a digital trainer is convincing people about the benefits of moving to the cloud. And what I've seen since... The pandemic happened and the stay-at-home orders is that we still have a lot of people saving documents to their desktop and to the documents folder. And there's a huge risk because IT is not next door. (laughs) (laughs) There IT is nowhere near us anymore. And so when coffee gets spilled on your computer, you know, what's the backup plan? So that's the number one thing I think everyone needs to be doing is move to the cloud immediately, right now. <laughs>
0: Stop the <laughs> podcast. Do it right now. Start moving stuff over.
1: Seriously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's true on that. Now was a year ago, if you were talking to folks, would that have been the same major issue or was there something that was more day-to-day that people were having was kind of like the big issue?
1: I think a year ago, you know, as I was traveling the globe and teaching from the stage and teaching in corporate environments, the biggest thing is how to do more with less and how to deliver better results in less time and just any way to improve workflow because people were still turning in bad work. I mean, I don't know if you've seen like a really bad uh, spreadsheet and it's like, oh, my eyes, I I can't, I'm blind. I don't want to see this. And when a spreadsheet isn't Formatted correctly or doesn't look professional, it's really hard to trust the information that's being presented. So that was the goal a year ago: was the professionalism of our work product and automating our work using Office 365 or G Suite or whatever whatever we were all using. Now it's completely switched to how do I even work and continue to communicate and collaborate. So huge switch.
0: Yeah. Uh, No, I come on. I work at Microsoft where Excel was invented. I mean, every single spreadsheet looks perfect. And when they cut and paste to a PowerPoint, it looks even better. (laughs) 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 Yeah. People know me when uh, someone says something in a presentation saying something like, I know you can't see the slide because they simply cut and pasted something. They know to look at me because I'm probably doing a much bigger eye roll than most. So getting into the cloud is the main thing. Is there something else that people are suddenly playing catch up on?
1: Well, one of the the aha moments that that I wasn't expecting to see was, you know, now that people are sharing their screens during their Zoom calls or team calls, their digital skills are on display. And I don't know if you've and I remember the first week we were stay at home and I was on a Zoom call and the speaker was presenting something amazing, but they were stumbling around their computer because they didn't have the skills to quickly navigate fluidly and gracefully around just because that's not their primary responsibility. So now that we're sharing screens, we have this kind of vulnerability, and now we're exposed. Our skills are now exposed to our team and that could jeopardize someone's authority. And so now I'm really hoping that if if people are struggling or embarrassed by their skills as they're sharing their screens, is to reach out to somebody on the team to get honest feedback and some, some coaching. Um, if it's not... Us here at Red Cape it then then find somebody you trust to help you navigate it. how do i how do I open up a browser and quickly get to my favorite report or how do I switch between Windows if I'm sharing my desktop? Um, how do I navigate around using if you're using a Windows machine using Windows e Windows tab, Windows left arrow and right arrow those types of little things can help you shine in front of your team and be less vulnerable and feeling exposed. So, I was really shocked by that.
0: When we first met, I was doing the the 15-minute webinars and I knew how to get around the screen, but my thing was I was really aware how bad of a and slow of a typist I was. So, I yeah, it was like I had to take a if I knew I had to do a lot of typing, I really had to uh, I didn't drink a lot, but you know, just <laughs> enough to take off the edge to to, to be a little more comfortable, yeah. or have stuff pre written out so I'm just typing a few words because uh, that's the presentation or or the my computer's online. But yeah, cleaning up your desktop. We all have the analogy that we have screen blurring for if I'm in a messy room, but uh, there's maybe no screen blurring if you have a really messy desktop and you're trying to make sure that you're some sort of, I'm very professional and very put together, but oh my gosh, my desktop's a total wreck.
1: That's a great point. In fact, back to my other thing about getting to the cloud that your desktop should not have anything on it unless, the only time you should put anything on your desktop is anything you don't want, that you're okay if your computer, if you spill coffee on your computer, you're okay with losing, or if it's just a temporary location for you to upload to, to a cloud drive. But it's the same thing as someone walking into your home office. Are you comfortable with somebody coming into your office and it's being messy? If you don't if you're like, I would never have a messy desk, then that should hold true for your desktop. You should never have anything on your desktop. And if I may, Doug, in your next training, when you do shortcuts for PowerPoint, if you're doing a presentation, Control L or Command L on a Mac, I always, anytime I turn on my laser, as I'm presenting, I always tell my audience, by the way, if you ever want to turn your laser, it's control L or command L. And same thing with B for black or W for white, if you want to white out the screen. So there are lots of things. Cause I remember, you know, going back to your question about one year ago, what, what was happening? I was at South by Southwest in the audience and I mean, amazing speakers in the front of the room, technical speakers yet they were struggling to get back and forth between different pieces of content in their slide when they were being asked questions. And so as a presenter, knowing how to quickly use find control F or command F on a Mac, use find to get to a slide that you need or the slide sorter view or um, some of the other presentation tips. So Doug, you have your work cut out for you. Okay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> like, that's uh, thanks. And
1: I'll help you if you need help.
0: That <laughs> job is getting tougher. And <laughs> you're totally right about having your desktop clean. I will say this is my tip that a lot of people that even who have been working at Microsoft for 15 years didn't know. For a Windows machine, if you go to your desktop, right-click and go to view, there's a command that says, show desktop icons. And you can unclick that and all those icons that Vicky says you should clean up, you can automatically let it disappear. So at least you'll have a clean desktop. So that's, I have the, I have the bandaid. Vicky has- Best
1: practice. Yeah. I don't know
0: what Yeah. Best practice. There you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that tip. And in fact, I just got goosebumps that you reminded people about that tip. And however, I am going to, I am going to say like, Please don't save anything to the desktop. Please, please, please. Here's why. Here's why, Doug. A colleague friend of mine, she has a Mac, and she told me that she spilled coffee on her Mac. Do you want to know what a Mac does when you spill coffee on it? You want to hear it? Yeah. Ready? (laughs) <laughs> does that that's what happens when you spill coffee on a mac i'm not sure what happens on on a pc so if anyone has an idea let us know she was out and the thing is even though she has icloud one of her previous employers was not a fan of the cloud and had trained her to save things on her local machine. And she would back it up regularly, but it had been 60 days since she previously backed it up. And so she was asking me like, hey, I, I need to get my One Notes. I need to get this. And she was saving her OneNote notebooks on her computer instead of the cloud. And you know how that is. So she was she didn't have her computer for two weeks. It was during a pandemic. So she had to find an Apple store that was open, which wasn't open. So she found a mom and pop shop to get her laptop fix, guess what? They were backlogged. So she started crying. (laughs) I I don't know how she got the appointment, but they fit her in and it took her two weeks to get it fixed. But I'm just reiterating why the desktop is, by moving your your documents to the desktop is so important because we have to have a plan B. What is your backup? Like, Make sure you know how to work on, on your phone. Make sure you know you can get to a browser and log in to your account's on your kids' machine, your partner's machine. So just be prepared because IT is not next door.
0: There's going to be three people in the audience who are going to know this. Or the person should get a PC, maybe a Surface, and then put OneDrive on it, and then you can actually back up the desktop onto OneDrive. Yeah. So there's a solution. Yeah. Too.
1: Yeah. So so she does have OneDrive, and she does have iCloud because you can back up. Yeah, but she just didn't use them. But because her employer, her previous employer, she was an executive assistant to him, he did not believe in the cloud. Even though he banks in the cloud, (laughs) like you have all your banking and your tax information in the cloud, but he didn't want his his Word documents or whatever in the cloud. So just if you're not going to work in the cloud, then have a backup plan, plan B and C.
0: Let's change gear a little bit. You talked about uh, this person being an executive assistant, and you've worked with a lot of these folks. I've met them. What makes an executive assistant special?
1: They are... So I'm a former executive assistant myself. So let me tell you what makes me... No, I'm kidding. They are supporting their executive day in and day out. So the executive, if you think about it, executive has business objectives that they need to get accomplished, and they have to lead the team. So the responsibility of an executive assistant is to support that person, take everything off that person's plate that can be taken off their plate so that they can not only uh, allow them to do only what the executive can do, but also to be a, a strategic business partner with them. So EAs end up being project managers, IT support, travel agents, calendar managers, team leads, communication experts. So they, they're literally doing 10 jobs to support that executive. And I always recommend any IT department to always check in with EAs. If you're looking for focus group to really test out any type of technology that you're implementing is to always include EA evangelist and um, as part of your focus groups. So they're super special.
0: I got to assume in some regards, you're a bit of an online psychologist of the last few months with them. How, how are they holding up being in a virtual uh, environment now?
1: We've got to have a whole separate section, a whole separate episode for that answer because my my colleague, Bonnie Lowe-Crayman, she wrote a book called Be the Ultimate Assistant. So she and I we immediately went into action as soon as ever we we had the stay at home orders, and we knew that assistants who are typically they feel like they're in silos because they're, they're truly misunderstood within the organization. So, we immediately started putting together these free webinars. Like, let's just get together, and we ask the question: What's going on? What's what's happening? How can we support you? And from Bonnie, from a from a soft skills perspective, and me from a hard skills perspective. And we have pages and pages and pages of feelings and fear and anxiety about what's happening. Kind of the top things that we discovered after being with the assistants, we had three over 3,000 people register for these webinars. And the biggest thing was the absence of their executive. All of a sudden, everyone kind of went MIA at the very beginning and The assistants didn't know how to best support their leaders and the team or each other. And then the former manual processes that they had, you know, the physical inbox on the table on their desk had folders like the yellow folder, the red folder, the green folder. And there was a process, a manual process when they were in the office. And now they have to transition that manual processes like those to online or digital processes. So that was a big hurdle they needed to get over. And then just managing the work-life integration of the remote work with their children, with the lack of space, no place to work. Some some of them didn't even have laptops. So it was mayhem.
0: <laughs> and I got to think, like a good manager, a good executive assistant can read their 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 bosses, body language understand things. Figure out that aspect of what needs to be done without that's not done with words. Is there anyone talking to you or anything you've heard about how they're trying to range that gap? Because I know managers have done some things, but I'm curious if the executive assistants have figured out a way to better serve the boss that they have without that being in the same room.
1: I would like to say that that was an easy transition and that they've figured it out, but. Unfortunately, there are very few who have figured that out how to read their executive. So it really had to be more formal communication, even just checking in one on one. But a lot of these companies weren't used to working remotely. Unlike you know the Microsofts, the Googles, the Dells, the the technology companies that were already had remote workforce many of these companies that we support didn't support remote work. So there were some some leaders, some managers who didn't actually trust their EAs, the assistants. And so they had them emailing exactly what they were working on. Some executives just went MIA, so the, the assistant didn't know what they should be working on. There's a lot of worry about, from from the assistant's perspective, about their value to the team, and some of them even feel like they're being ousted a little bit. Again, I think there's a whole a whole other episode dedicated to this particular dynamic that you could dive into, Doug, with Bonnie, because there's a whole lot more to unpack there.
0: Cool. There's a uh, coming attractions reel right there for
1: people. <laughs> absolutely.
0: So uh, switching to you and you're again, you've been training, you've. Your travel itineraries um, uh, makes nobody jealous like myself. No, never jealous <laughs> London or Dubai or something like that. So in calendar year ni- 2019, how much of yours was on-site or conferencing or in businesses versus online?
1: I was definitely on the road about 50% of the time. Obviously, December was a light month. And January was a light month. But other than that, I was constantly on the road. Like right now, I'm looking at my calendar for August 2020. I should have been in Honolulu teaching a class on the 14th and 15th of August. And then I should have been in – from there, I was going to go to Sydney and then Wellington and Singapore. So that's where I should be. But everything now has just been switched to – online deliveries, which I'm really enjoying. Although I miss seeing all my friends around the world, I do not miss the weight gain (laughs) and all of the food (laughs) that we would eat on the road. I've since lost 10 pounds. I mean, due to hard work, like I'm really working out a lot, but I'm cooking more now. But um, yeah, it was a lot of in-person training because of my improv comedy background and. I guess my role as a former assistant, people always wanted me on site, but obviously that's not scalable. So this is actually really great to be doing this online now, digitally, because now we have recordings and we can replay it for those that want to review it. And we can also train new hires this way.
0: So maybe for a year from now, do you think you would go back to it or do some sort of hybrid of more online and, and less travel?
1: I don't necessarily think that Companies are going to bring outside trainers and training to their employees next year in, in 2021. I see us first getting to the conferences, getting to the stage first for professional development conferences before we get hired for in-house training. I mean, even when I was I, – I came into Microsoft September of 2019 and there were, I think there were like 300 assistants that I was training. And I just don't see that happening in 2021. Do you? I'm curious about you. What do you think? Yeah.
0: Every time you think you know something, it, it changes. I mean, I mean, Microsoft came on board probably, I think it was April or May, and said all their events were going to be online through 2021, which three months ago seemed really odd. Now it seems... About right, so I I believe in it. I mean, the research we've done, some here for the podcast, of dealing with what's lost in a remote world, and for a lot of people, it's the brainstorming and the creativity. I assume for training, it's it's the connection. And you know, you probably I don't know if people learn better online or offline. I mean, our school kids are finding that out now. But yeah, I don't think anyone that's going to get on the bandwagon suddenly and say let's do all this unless they. Or maybe training for an airliner and they want to make sure they get people on airlines as fast as possible. But I think most of the people I've talked to for the podcast and just in general, there won't be going back to the way it was, period, whether you're talking about working remotely, working together, um, and certainly on the training aspect on that. So to get tools to be able to do this virtually or online. In fact, that, 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 let me ask that. So you would occasionally do online training. And now that you're doing that full time, has there been is there a change in that do you do you approach it differently? How does that change?
1: I think what is going to happen like one of the things we have is our we help people get certified in Microsoft Office, which is a huge trend right now because there's so many people unemployed I think the last unemployment rate I read was ten point two percent in the u s so people are looking for ways to to stand out from other Candidates and Microsoft certification for Microsoft Office is one of those things. And what we're doing with our study group is we're actually using Teams workspace, and I have monthly meetings with the study group, and we have input and discussions from the members. So if there's, for instance, one of our members says, "You know what? There's no excuse for me not to take my first exam. I'm just having trouble getting started." So several members of the group agreed with her, but shared with her how they got around that challenge. And they just said, we just put a stake in the ground and we just started we just started prepping for the exam. And so they have a strategy. I've given them a strategy on how to prep for the exam. So I think more like that, more engagement in ways like breakouts, meetups, um, that is definitely helping our learners. I also like the idea of having these little Breakouts, like I know Zoom has these little breakout rooms. I was in a training for Power BI, and we did breakout rooms, and so we worked with on the exercises that way. So I think that is a great tool in order to help people learn the content and retain the content. I think online learning is just making it more accessible. Um, It'll just be interesting to see how to scale a ten-person in-person class when we normally could have had thirty people in a class or hundred. I've taught 400 in a room once.
0: Yeah, no, I've, I've, I don't think I've been in the 400 room, but I've seen the pictures, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, 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 like hands on. And was it optimal? No. And I had cancer at the time. So I was going through chemo. So I was on stage in my chair teaching, but I had like, you know, room monitors that were helping. And so certainly we're not going to be training 400 people at a time. I just don't know how to scale 10 people in a room if we're limited to how many people we can have near each other. Just, you know, online is going to be the way to go.
0: Yeah. There's, you got to think there's somewhere between 10 and and 400. There's got to be a sweet spot, And and some of that is true. I mean, as we're recording this, one of my favorite conferences that you're speaking at is, which is all online this year's presentation summit. So that's if you spoke to everyone there, that's about 400. So it'll be interesting to see how um, Rick Altman, who runs it, always said he would never do an online conference. And of course, this, like everything else, has changed that he's kind of embraced it. So I'm sure uh, it would be interesting to see how those things work as, as we're all kind of learning. And I think most of the stuff, as we have found out, the amount of innovation and the amount of change that you can do when forced to, you can work on it uh, very quickly on that. And a lot of times we're finding a lot of surprises and good things that we can do on that. And and speaking of those kind of good things and changes on that. So again, someone who was a world traveler, who was gone for months and months out of the year. And now that you're in headquarters for Vicky Sokol Evans is now Austin real for real. How's, uh, how's that been for, for you?
1: Doug, I'm loving it. Like I, I do. I miss all my, all my friends are mostly international. They're all over the world, but that's what I love about WhatsApp and all of these different technologies is I can talk to them anytime. But you know, I've got two teenagers, 14 and almost 17, two boys, and whenever I was on the road, for me to call my kids, like all they would do is kind of just grunt on the phone when I call them. Like, hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, what are you doing? Nothing. So tell me what happened. Nothing. (laughs) Like it was just (laughs) that, and that was the that was the engagement I got with my kids as I was being I was on the road. But now that I'm home, it is completely different because I was truly worried about: Am I raising respectable, responsible, successful, happy adults if I'm on the road all the time? But now I can s- their personality, I can see their personalities. We're connecting. We're watching shows together. Although I'm kind of worried about the shows we're watching. We're watching Criminal Minds, which is such an old show, but I think I'm done with that. Now we're watching The Office and Parks and Rec. Like the other day, I woke up and my coffee pot. You know how coffee pots have a time on it. And it was obscured. I couldn't see the time. The whole house is dark, but there's and there's no what why isn't the time showing? And there was a pink post-it on it. I turned the light and it said, Good morning, love will. And that's my 14-year-old. And I was just so moved by that that he would wish me good morning with a post-it note. So I'm loving, loving this being at home and having routine with them, having my own fitness routine and cooking and it's awesome, but it's, it doesn't help a dating, your dating life at all. I have not been on a a date forever. So yeah, I got to fix that somehow.
0: Yeah. On the flip side of that, I I have uh, two 20 year olds at home and, uh, I know uh, dating life is not the, the, the best for them either on that, but it's, it's wonderful for, uh, you to, uh, have that time, uh, with your family. And that's, that's, um, That's marvelous. And again, those, some of those things that we see uh, day in, day out, that uh, if things got back to normal 18 months from now, I'm sure people would be saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, what am I supposed to be doing here? And we'd go through that again. And I think, uh, again, I want, I always think one of the things that I hope is best about this is the shackles of this business veneer are let down a bit more and that people are more interested in, especially as we've talked to managers and their staffs of how they're more engaged, more understanding about what they're going through with home life, because you see it in the calls. So it almost becomes something that you put into that will hopefully when we get back into the office, that stays because, you know, that's in some ways, I think what it should be all be all be about.
1: Yeah, I I just really empathize with the parent. I mean, I don't my company is what 13 years old now and i can't imagine if this had happened when i first started my company my kids were 3 and 5 and i don't know i just have so much empathy for parents with younger kids because they they do have more demanding schedule and so i'm so grateful my kids are older i just but i i do think about those and someone on my team has a young child so whatever she needs, I'm like, if you need to take off a whole day because you need to do schooling or whatever for your son, then by all means, please do that. And I'm really optimistic and hopeful that a lot of other companies will make accommodations for for parents of young kids like that.
0: Absolutely. Um, one thing you said early on about in this conversation of working that you have a lot of friends, most of them are international. You can Zoom with them or WhatsApp them or whatever. So my question is, you can do that. How often are you or somebody else reaching out or saying, hey, let's get a virtual coffee or something like that? Because let me put it in this regards. I walk down the hall. I might see somebody I haven't seen in a couple of weeks. We'll talk. But it feels odd for me to suddenly ping them out of the blue saying, hey, David, I haven't seen you in three weeks. You want to can you talk now? Just seems Again, in practice, that seems odd in some ways.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I, uh, I feel like what I'm what I'm doing is I'll text them, I'll message them, and say, okay, yeah, let's meet on Saturday, because one of my friends in South Africa, she was one of the last people I saw before the state home orders, and I haven't talked to her since I was with her in Cape Town, and so I'm. I'm anxious to talk to her. We keep missing each other, and so now I feel like I'm, I am pestering her. And then I all of a sudden now feel like is she mad at me because I wasn't able to make that time? And I don't know if you feel like that. Do you feel like sometimes people are like, you know, I can't believe Doug won't call me or that Doug stopped <laughs> pestering me. Like I'm feeling those things, and I know I shouldn't, but I just feel bad that we're not able to connect. But I do. I have people, lots of people on my list I need to connect. How are you feeling?
0: uh, I started doing a couple times a week of virtual coffee. So I think of, there is two teams that I'm on at work. One's about 15, one's about 30-ish. The 15 and I, we almost meet every day. And then the 30-ish, I occasionally drop in on meetings, maybe every 10 days. But there's a good amount of people that are just down the hallway. They were former teammates. And that's why at one point we were sitting together. I don't see them enough. So I walked down. So I just started in visually in my mind, going down the hallway and saying, okay, let's see if I can set up a virtual. It's basically, we're doing adult virtual play dates. Good golly. Um, it's like, you know, Sonia, can you meet up there? Can you do, so yeah, try to meet and just chat about stuff. I try to set that up because yeah, I, me being an extrovert is a little more pragmatic and probably trying to set something in stone and doing that. But um, that's how I've done it. But it's funny how it falls off. And then it's not just that. It's like, well, see here, Amy and I talked a couple months ago. Is it too early to say, Amy, do you want to have another? I mean, it's, it's, it's bizarre new stuff, but it's kind of like, yeah. it is like doing playdates with your kids, but now you're doing it for yourself. That's odd
1: how long are these play dates? Are they like five minutes? Are they 10 minutes? Like, I think that's the other thing that I don't know is like, what's, what is my expectation? Yeah. Like, Hey, let's just meet for 15. Minutes. I just want to, I just want to see you or just talk to you, hear your voice. And since we haven't seen each other in so long, is this going to be an hour of your time or half hour? How long are your, your drop eyes?
0: Well, luckily, because of work, you're kind of set up in this 30 to thirty or 60-minute slot. So I usually say, yeah, I usually put it down because I always put down a meeting to end five minutes early. So it's usually 25 minutes. Most of the time, if I haven't seen them a while, we'll go there. But you're right. It's having that expectation of how long you're supposed to talk is probably good. And the other thing was my brother's family has people pretty much in the area, but he says they've realized you know, it's like passing the phone on a holiday. It's, it's just sometimes it's just really bad and you don't know what to say. So one of his daughters figured out, OK, we're going to get together at this date. We're going to talk for 20 minutes and the subject is blank. And so they'll give them a subject to talk about. So everyone actually, besides getting together just to say, hi, it's family. I've missed you. Oh, my gosh. There's a subject to talk about, which I thought was a really brilliant way to do it. Just so you're not just doing the same thing. How you doing? I mean, just, it's like the Monday call we get in business. Hi, how you doing? It's like, oh my gosh, the same. It's a pandemic. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I had a weekend, but it wasn't what I like. I started just making making up stuff usually on the Monday meeting of like, oh yeah, I went to the cinema three times and we went down to, you know, whatever. It's it's tough, but I think having those parameters will help that you just want to do. And maybe, maybe even put it in uh, the message when you send it. Hey, let's do a 15 minute call on blank.
1: Yeah, I just want to see your face, or I just want to hear your voice. I I want to see what's the one thing that's bringing you joy, or what can I help you with, or something specific, or not? Just you know,
0: um, or do a podcast. <laughs> that's Thinking, this has been great. I I I can't leave without asking this question though. So because we're both been working with tons with Microsoft and Office and talk all the times about tips and people have done careers, just telling people about format painter and other little things. I just got to ask, and I have one here. If you need to think for a moment, I can give you mine. Is there some thing that's newish in the Microsoft world of technology that's a shortcut or a trick that you either found out people really love or you yourself just like, I'm glad they invented this because I use it.
1: Oh, and something just came up the other day. Oh, you know what? I know what, I know what, I know what happened. Okay, so I have this book, 100 Tips. And in the PC version of the book, I talk about Flash Fill in Excel, which allows you to separate a column into two columns. Like the full name column could be stripped instantly into first name and last name column. It did not exist on Mac. Until recently, as I was updating my MacBook. So Flash Fill is now available on Mac. So that's a big announcement I want to make for people because they have been we, because I'm I'm a Mac user as well. We've been waiting for Flash Fill on Mac.
0: Mine, the one that I'm just like is brilliant, is so you know, most people know that control V is paste. So you cut something, you paste it. And on Windows there is if the Windows key and the and the V button for paste, it's a clipboard. So it's your last several <gasps> things that you have. I, oh, oh my gosh, you don't know about this. No. Oh,
1: no, I've been looking for this. Oh my gosh.
0: So once you set it up, it should work cross computers. So if like you have a home machine and a business machine, I, if, you, if they're talking to each other. So con- a Windows key V, so your last five or six things. So, you know, when you like you want to like paste a URL and a title of something. You grab the URL and then you realize, oh, I don't remember what the title is. So you go back and grab the title. And it's like, oh great. Now I have to go back and copy the, the URL again. Cause I replaced it with the title. Now you don't have to do that. You copy the URL, then you copy the title, go back. Your last paste will still work control V, but then hit the windows key in V and you'll, you can rotate down for the things that you've pasted that you've cut during the day. And and, oh, my gosh, it's a commercial by Doug. If there's a way to <laughs> pin your pastes, uh, you, you pin your cuts. So you can do um, – so, like, at the bottom of my list always is a couple links that I always send to people. A piece of artwork that I always use in scripts. I have it right there. I have a couple of the, uh, you know, we use demo accounts for a lot of our stuff. So I have the sign-in information for demo accounts. Um, there's something in a form when we produce videos at Microsoft Office that I have to paste in this kind of form. I have that there. I have like the PO number I'm supposed to put in for stuff. So I can keep all of those and they never go away. They're always right there for oh me. Oh my so, gosh.
1: Oh my gosh. Oh my I, gosh.
0: Not only did I help oh my friends, Vicky, i am so happy
1: yes oh it's like uh, there's my favorite quote is from John Wooden who is the former UCLA basketball coach he says it's what you learn after you know it all that counts and it's like christmas for me every time i someone shows me a tip i'm like oh my gosh yay that's so awesome and so i have a question though yeah so if i if i copy from something from excel and i copy something from word and i copy something from the url and the title you talked about it will store all of that under Windows V? Yeah,
0: it will store it for the day. It stores all that. And then if something you use a lot, there's a there's a little tiny menu on each one you can pin it. Yeah. And it I believe it, I believe it works between computers too, as long as you update it. Cause it's a it's a cloud clipboard.
1: So if I spill coffee on my on this, because I'm getting a new surface today, tonight. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm just gonna be testing this out. This is awesome. It's gonna be on the other one.
0: We've done perfect thing. We've started with the cloud and we're going to end with the cloud. And I will say, uh, just to to put it out there, Vicky's getting a new service has nothing to do with her appearing on this podcast. So I just (laughs) want people to know that uh, right up front. I do not have that much sway at uh, Microsoft, I must say. Vicky Stokul-Evans is the founder of Red Cape. It's a global leader in engaging Microsoft, Apple, and Google productivity training. If you have a chance to meet her virtually online at a conference or when we get back into buildings, I highly recommend it because not only are you going to learn stuff, you're going to have a great time. And maybe someday if you do that, you'll be able to do what I do in saying, Vicki, thanks for joining the podcast. It's great being your friend.
1: Aw, thank you so much, Doug. Always a joy and, and to, to speak with you. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear more stories and lessons learned from those working in the remote
0: space.